Hello and welcome to episode 138 of the Hunger Games Fireside Chat Podcast. I'm Adam Spunberg, here on this lovely July 1st, 2015. Well, lovely depending on where you are. I know there's a, if you're listening from Europe, I know there's an incredible heat wave going through, so it really depends on, it's probably a rare event that every single spot on the globe has great weather on the same day or same moment, but I guess it's such things are possible. But anyway, it's a lovely day in New York City and in New Jersey where I am. And we have a terrific show planned for tonight. Uh, we have a very special guest who will join us later, Dean O'Carroll, who is the author and the creator, the brain and architect behind the humor games. He's actually with us now if you just want to say hello quickly. Uh, Dean, <laughs> good to have Hi, you on. Me. Brain, brain and architect. Nice to, nice to be here, everybody. Um, And we'll get Dean will get his own spot Uh, We'll focus on his work In about 40 minutes Uh, He's going to very patiently and graciously Listen to us talk about the Hunger Games Exhibition and maybe chime in uh, Here and there But Oh I'm looking forward to it Thank you and we're glad to have you Uh, But as for the exhibition itself uh, Everybody on except for one Of the other panelists was at the exhibition with me. I was there as well. Uh, we got an, a, a really nice uh, move by Lionsgate. Uh, they invited us to, to get an early preview, uh, and we can tell you everything we know about the exhibit, what's good about it. I don't think we have too much bad to say about it, um, but as you well know, this show is unfiltered, and people can say, express their opinions, whether they be positive or negative. Um, I do want to say before we introduce the panelists that, as always, you can follow along using the hashtag HGFiresideChat on Twitter, and you can also listen later on uh, either through our website, HGFiresideChat.com, or via iTunes, which is where we tend to get most of our listeners. Uh, But feel free, anyone who's listening who's an archive listener, I see how many people we get later on. And feel free to jump in and listen live. It's a fun show to participate in while it's going. Uh, And we used to have a very active live group. Obviously, we were off the air for a while, so uh, it's understandable that we lost some of that. But feel free to jump back on. It's fun to, to to participate as it's happening as well as later. So anyway, with that said, uh, let me introduce first from Down with the Capitol, we have Ellie and Brittany. How are the two of you? I'm good. That was out of the way. And Brittany is, is doing well as well. Amazing discovery that we found out that uh, someone out, Br- Brittany lives in, in actually the, the very town that my wife grew up in when she was a kid. Complete coincidence. And it turns out that also on the show today, Someone else lives in that town. Uh, our friend JJ <laughs> from Victor's Village, along with, of course, the one you know, uh, the champion of Victor's Village, the victor of, if there could be such a thing, of Victor's Village, Kate. So, JJ and Kate, how are you? Good. And as you know, uh, as is often the tradition with Kate, she always gets a special introduction, and today will be no exception. Hello, 
Welcome. I have a theme song, people. Be jealous. It's, it's kind of like a Caesar Flickerman theme song, you know, when he comes on the stage. In fact, <laughs> we should assign that to someone else. I'll work on that. <laughs> In the meantime, also someone who I saw very recently, the same day that I saw everyone else, but this was a real treat. Just so you know, you may wonder what was Molly doing on the East Coast of Pan and Propaganda. Well, we had stolen her. We East Coasters have stolen her from California and moved her to the East. So joining us now on the, I was going to say the better coast, but that's actually not true. I have great love for, for all of you in California. On a different coast is Molly from Pan and Propaganda. Molly, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm great. And actually, uh, this is something that Molly and I have to figure out after the show. But I'm planning on buying, once and for all, a couple shirts from her amazing merchandise, which you should all check out if you go to panandpropaganda.com. Some really amazing shirts and all kinds of other things, uh, which were, your, I guess, your creative ideas, right, that went into them? Yeah. Um, actually, my brother is the artist behind them, but we collaborate on the concepts, and he executes. But he's a great artist, and he does all the the actual work. But yeah, it's a it's a group effort. Definitely. And you may have heard rumors that Molly's brother also designed all the artwork for the Hunger Games exhibition. I can't substantiate that rumor. Um, <laughs> But we'll let her we'll let her give give off the uh, the truth of that impression whether that's true or not. Um, and lastly, but not least, not even close to least, this is actually someone who I believe deserves a little more of an introduction, and that's because I'm trying to remember the last time you were on the show, Lee. I think this was maybe three years ago, two two years ago. It's possible. <laughs> Something Had like to that. Be. Had so, to be wild. so Lee, who used to be a member of the Hob, which is no longer functioning from what I understand, but but was one of the great Hunger Games sites uh for several years in the beginning, uh has now gotten back involved in the fandom through page turners. And what do you know? We ran into each other at the Hunger Games exhibition. We had a, a wonderful reunion and I figured we had to get her back on the show. So, Lee, welcome back. You were on our first ever show that we had way back in <laughs> April of 2011, the pilot. So, oh, wow. nostalgia. Well, it's really nice <laughs> to be back, and thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So, I think we may have lost one person from the line. Hopefully, we can get her back. But in the meantime, let's I'm go here. right into can you hear me? Tiffany, there you are. Okay, so we have one more introduction. Tiffany is here. Tiffany from Mockingjay.net did not get to go to the exhibition. However, I'm the one and only. <laughs> she's going to play the role of excited spectator, who's going to listen with joy and passion and share her great love for everything Hunger Games exhibition. For when, now I know you're in LA. Rumor is, right, that the exhibition is, is going to move to California, though I think to San Francisco is going to be the San next Francisco, location. It, 
It's San Francisco, and I'll go there because it's very. It's only like an hour flight from here. Yeah, exactly. You know, a lot, a lot of us in, in in New York think that L.A. and San Francisco are like right next to each other, but actually, as I think someone once told me, it'd be like going from Boston to Washington D.C. or something like that. <laughs> it's oh, it's like a, it's, no, it's an eight-hour drive or a one-hour flight. Interesting. So. Basically, California is a really, really long state. That's the the moral yeah. of the story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so is District 4, apparently, if you trust and believe the conspiracy that is the map that they presented for us, um, which you will see, good segue, at the exhibition. The map does play a role uh, in the process. So let me just start out by saying a, cu- a couple very quick things about the exhibition that I like. Um, I thought, and, and I don't want to give too much away because you want to have some suspense uh, going in and not have everything ruined for you. But there was something really uh, storybook, I'd say, about the way it started chronologically from the very beginning, first movie, working its way up through the third film. And I thought that was really a great touch. And I even said that to the uh, creative director uh, who was there with us on the tour. Because you got the true feeling of, of taking the same journey as these characters did, and that you had really when when you watched the film, I thought that was really unique. Um, you, I've been to other exhibitions where it's just kind of scattered. You know, here's a dress from X scene, and here's something from another scene. Uh, so it felt much more of a linear story storyline as as you go through, and that resonated with me. And then the other thing I'd say is um, there was a nice. Uh, aspect of interactivity between the obviously the the, the visitor, but uh, ways that you can apply your hands and also technology in an mm-hmm. almost capital esque way uh, to be a part of pictures to uh, a couple gadgets that were really neat. I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll get into it. We'll, I'm going to open the floor and we're all going to talk about this. Uh, it was hard actually to do everything. The only concern I have is that when they have lots and lots of people going through, uh, whether there'll be enough time for people to actually do those exhibits. As it is, there were, we were a pretty small group, and we felt rushed, and it was kind of hard to, to get our each person get a turn. So uh, I think it's just something that if you really want to do one of these you know, more hands-on exhibits, you can. You just might have to wait or you know, go through quickly for, for courtesy for others. But... Um, I thought that that was really neat. I think anyone who really loves the Hunger Games, you would never regret going to the exhibition. Some people will love it. Some people will think it's okay. I think more more people will err on the side of loving it. But the fact of the matter is nobody who likes the series will go regretting having paid for the ticket to, to attend. And it was it was a rewarding experience and just a new way to to, you know, immerse yourself in a series that that has meant so much to a lot of people and obviously to us. So let me start out with Kate, since she is the lady of the great introduction. Um, okay. If if you had to give, just, you know, this could be as long as you want, or it can be as short as you want. Just your general impressions of the exhibition experience and um, and, and maybe even what it was like for you uh, coming down to New York and if it was worth it. I think it was. I was really excited for this. Um, 
I w- honestly, I wasn't sure in the beginning because, you know, I've, I've been to exhibitions for other things and I kind of expected more of the same. Not that I didn't enjoy those, but I've been to, um, like, the exhibitions for Lord of the Rings and for Harry Potter. And I've I've enjoyed them thoroughly, but in each of those, it was essentially just like, here's the costume, here's the set pieces. Um, we We lit them up nice and take a look. Um, and as Adam mentioned, there's a lot of uh, interactive features with this that really brought it to another level and um, added a lot of fun in there. And also, I think they took a they set it up in a way that it's almost I don't want to say maze like, but you're you're going around the corner, you're coming down the staircase, and then like. Boom! There it is. You, whenever you turn a corner, you're going into a really massive, exciting set piece. The second you get around it, and it's it's literally a reveal for you. So that was really I was just, cool. I was just laughing at the way you said that because uh, one of the highlights I know we all remember was a very excited Ellie going down one of these <laughs> corridors. <laughs> and stairs. Yeah, down the staircase. <laughs> Yelling for us to, follow, to to see something. What was it that you were yeah. showing there, Ellie? The chariot, the Catching Fire chariot with their costumes and oh my god! Sorry, it was at the bottom of the staircase, and Ellie was already at the bottom, and the rest of us were at the top, stalling, looking at something else, and she just started yelling up the staircase and she saw me first and just she reached her arm up and just started going Kate, 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 Kate And I'm pretty sure they got that on camera. Yeah, I think the camera crew was right there. <laughs> You're gonna right. be that was the big thing we were material. wondering. They were recording stuff. We don't know what actually where it's going or maybe for promo materials. But Ellie has a really good chance of having made it on most movies. <laughs> well, we I think there. it is. Adam, this is Molly. I think it is because they were filming, uh, like, reactions, and then I kept listening to them. I was kind of spying on them, and I was listening to what they were saying, and they were like, oh, go, go, go get her. Go get Okay, now, get get the cameras. Look, when they're taking the pictures, make sure you can see them taking the pictures. Get the shots in their cameras. Oh, she's really excited. Go get her. You know, I, so... Um, <laughs> They're gonna. They're gonna. I think they're using it as like a promotional reel of some sort. That'll be interesting. Ellie, you're gonna be all over that. <laughs> and interesting that Molly says that because listen, we don't know what it is, but they picked Molly out to get some some real perspective. <laughs> so you might see Molly on this promotional video too, whatever this is. So, I mean, talk talk. Get in what you can with Molly now because she might be a little bit too much of a celebrity by the time this is over. <laughs> so we'll just have to <laughs> do what yeah. we can. Right, exactly. It's my big break, yeah. Um, before I forget, I do want to mention something. There is a fan gallery picture near the end. Oh, And yeah. I think it was, Kate, you're the one who spotted this, right? <laughs> Walking by, looking at it, and we're like, there's Courtney. And Courtney Custodio, yep. one of the most famous Fireside Chat panelists and oh, yeah. was a temporary host of the show as well, is featured right in the middle of that band gallery. So pretty cool. It's worth it to go just for that. 
to see Courtney that showing her usual great. exuberance. Hey, Adam. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Teresa has an idea that maybe they will have um, a special on the exhibition, including fan reactions, on the Mockingjay Part 2 DVD. That's a possibility. Oh. Ooh. That would be cool. I Lee, yeah. Um, weren't you on one of the DVDs, or someone from the Hobbit gal- once? I think. Yeah, no, the gals that are in that are prominently displayed in that picture that you had just mentioned for the fan site, that is Megan mm-hmm. Scott and Amanda Belcher, who are actually on one of the extra pieces on the first Hunger Games extra DVD. Uh, so that was so extraordinary to actually see considering that that we're not around and like you know it it was just so it's very very stunning to us because we have been away for so long and we're just coming back to the material now that the last film is coming coming out that uh that we saw it I can't tell you the reaction from from you know because we're still friends all of us from the hob believe it or not we're still all friends uh that uh, when when I told them what it was and I sent them a photograph of my phone that we were in tears. It was it was a really really special moment for us. You have no idea. Well, you because know what else was probably back. a special special moment uh, since we're talking about Lee and, and the Hob is that one of the first exhibits you see when you walk in is the Hob. Uh, and I I remember yeah. I was actually right near you, Lee, when you experienced that. And you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I thought you got almost a little bit emotional seeing that as well. I got extremely emotional through most of uh, the exhibit, but yeah, the hob and then seeing the photograph and it 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 just kind of brings it home as to like you know how much the material continues to to resonate with with me and uh, with uh, the the gals that that we had done the hob with and and you know what the material means and just coming back to it now that the film is coming back and with the excitement we have about going to Comic-Con next week, just, you know, just to be in the room with all that energy happens again. And, and just from the exhibit itself, because you do really feel like when you're in the exhibit, because the way you're, it's presented and that, you know, the lighting is just so suggestive of the way it was shown in the film, that it's a very immersive experience to like, you're actually at the hob. And, you know, it was just a really amazing moment. No, that's really that's great. And I, honestly, this is something I'm embarrassed about. I hadn't seen Lee for so long that at first I didn't recognize her, and then when it <laughs> struck me, I apologized profusely. But it was a real treat um, to see you again, and I'm really glad. Just like you mentioned, that Thanks. I'm getting nostalgic having you back on the show. So it's really a treat to have you uh, back in the friendly confines of the fireside chat, um, yeah. where it all started. Four years ago. Yeah. Um, let's get an opinion from a couple of people we haven't heard from. And Tiffany, I apologize. I know you, since you weren't there, we will get to you. I promise. Your take. That's okay. But <laughs> first, let's hear from Brittany and JJ. Now, you two, you two Pennsylvanians, as I mentioned before, you took a, you had a nice train ride to get there. Any regrets about making the decision to come? We'll start with JJ. Any regrets? Oh no. I mean no, I mean you get a chance to go to New York, that's always a win anyway. But um yeah, I mean, really absolutely. I, think, I mean it, 
the, the exhibition was just so, like, to echo other people's, what they've been saying, it was so well designed. And just, like, the whole layout was really well planned. You, you did get a sense that they really did think a lot about the experience, and it really did play out that when you walked through, you really did feel like, you know, you had the whole journey through the series. And then seeing, you know, all the costumes and the sets and everything like that just adds to it. I mean, the way, even like the way they lit things and just the whole ambiance of the place was, you know, it, it really did bring it home that, you know, you're kind of immersed in this world. So it's like a Blu-ray come to life a million times better. And if you want to know about J- more about JJ's experience, you should go to her Twitter feed, JJ underscore dash. And see, she, this is about as well chronicled a journey as I've ever seen. <laughs> from For the entire ride to New York and back. Um, and then, obviously, there was an embargo on posting pictures, but you eventually did get those uh, out for consumption yes. as well. So... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everyone check out the Twitter feed over the last week of JJ underscore dash. It might be one of the more exciting uh, travel logs that you've ever seen. Uh, A digital medium uh, used Mm -hmm. to present pictures, thoughts, insights, all kinds of intellectual ideas, whatever was floating through this brilliant lady's head. Right. I'm sure there were some random things along the way. (laughs) Well, Twitter is public, so, you know, I'm sorry. Whatever you put, <laughs> guilty. It's there. Um, <laughs> and Brittany, who also made a similar journey, maybe not quite as uh, displayed on Twitter, but I think Brittany still has a lot to say. What were your overall impressions of the experience and the exhibition as a whole? I really liked it. Um I think it was. It, I was actually really surprised at how it was because, you know, like everybody was saying, you never knew what you were going to come across as you kept moving through the exhibition. So it was really nice the way they had everything set up. It's not like they just put things out and they're like, oh, here's the costume. Like they studied, you know, the area to make it look really authentic. And as we've learned, a lot of the stuff, like the props and the setting, was actually from the film, which was really cool that they included all of that, you know, to make it as authentic as possible. But it was, I mean, the really the coolest thing, though, for me was seeing everything up close. I mean, you can really appreciate the attention, the detail that they put into all of the things that are there. And also everything that they added to the exhibition to just make it really enjoyable. So you're not just walking through looking at like there's things for you to do, like there's really interactive stuff, which was really unique, and I thought they did a really good job with it. Very well said. Um, I will say you all know what was the most exciting thing in the entire exhibition, and it's in the main photo for this episode. <laughs> I mean, the orange mm-hmm. backpack. I'm pretty Much sure when I saw it, I screamed out, "It lives!" You did. <laughs> I saw it and I just went, "It lives!" And you know, my the picture I took with my phone, unfortunately, wasn't that great. Uh, I think I, I could have had a clearer shot. So I'm not sure if you can read uh, description next to it, the the little label tag. 
but uh, it does say Katniss's backpack right there. And you know there was a, there was so much controversy going back to when the, we had our first stills and shots from the first film. Is the backpack actually going to be orange? We didn't think it was, and it turned out to be. And in previous episode, I checked. I went back and I did use an orange backpack, uh, or actually it was Savannah who posted that um, for an episode that was called Orange Backpack. But we grabbed you know, a generic one we found in a Google image search or something like that. Now we have the real orange backpack, a picture that will live in infamy, or actually, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say infamy, uh, will be a, a triumph for the series for, forever to come. Um, and, you know, my only regret is that I couldn't grab that backpack out of the glass casing and bring it to work oh with me God. every day. That's <laughs> my mate. You know, and maybe store a couple other valuables like that Katniss did. So that's a that's a major highlight. Um, Ellie, Adam, we're one we of had you, some. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, were one of you guys the orange backpack on Twitter? Was somebody? I think somebody is. Group? Somebody there was at one point. Was it one? I was just yeah. it was one of you guys because I know there is the orange backpack on Twitter. Or it used to be. Well. It was mm-hmm. not me. That's all I can say. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. Mystery um, unsolved. Exactly. I can also say that Seneca Crane's beard was not me, but someone <laughs> might have been Seneca Crane's beard. I have my suspicions. Um, right. But let me ask Ellie, because we more joked about Ellie's exclamations <laughs> while visiting the- Visiting the exhibit, we've yet to hear her general thoughts, and it'd only be fair to give her the floor. So, Ellie, the floor is yours. I mean, I loved it. I loved pretty much everything from the scenes to the costumes. Obviously, I'm kind of the definition of a fangirl in a lot of ways. So, I was just freaking out the entire time I was down there, clearly just screaming Kate's name at one point. Um, but um, what was really cool, and I talked about this a lot in my post because we were in the unique situation where Brittany and I were both there from Down with the Capitol. So we were able to kind of do our, um, have our posts about our experience taking different directions. So mine was completely focused on the interactive things, which I thought were amazing. The way... It wasn't just walking through and seeing all of these amazing amazing things, which honestly I would have been perfectly happy with because I was obsessed with all of it. But the fact that we were able to step aside and in some things we were able to do what the characters did in the story and test our knowledge and test not not really our movie knowledge so much as our like survival skills. Um And, like, there was a knot-tying station where you could actually practice tying knots, although I didn't do it because I didn't want to embarrass myself. (laughs) Um, But just, like, all of those spots where you could stop and actually be a part of the story rather than just looking at it really completed the experience, and I absolutely loved it. Well, thank you. Um, If you couldn't tell, Ellie kind of liked the exhibition. (laughs) <laughs> and would be a strong strong proponent of it, um, understatement of the year. 
Molly, I don't. I know you commented, but I don't know if you got to give your overall thoughts. So let me give you that chance. No, as well. not yet. Yeah, I would love to. I um, I loved it too. I thought uh, it was much more than I was expecting. Like everybody's been saying, um, I thought that it was more emotional than I thought I would be. You know, you're just going to an exhibit, whatever. But the beginning that Effie introduces, and then it goes to Elizabeth Banks, and then it runs into this montage of all of the films, and I was kind of, like, tearing up. It was really cool. Um, and then I guess for me the biggest, the biggest thing uh, that I think about is the, the, the details, the costumes. Um, you know, you watch it in the movie, and you just think, of course, it looks great, and you see it in the stills, but the, the attention to detail is, like, is so spectacular. You know, you just don't see the, that when you're watching a film. I mean, I'm sure it adds subconsciously to the visual depth, but when you see it up close, just like the sets, how they set the food up and the detail on the costumes, there's just in the in the one part of Snow Mansion, they had the food and the costumes, and they even had the lights on the mansion, as, as that, how they were projected in Catching Fire, and the, the above, there were the lights that they used in the party scene. So, so many details went into the planning of the exhibition that were so cool that they took directly from the films. And it, it was, it was beautifully done. I thought. Yeah. And, and it's worth noting too, that I think I mentioned before the, the creative director and also some people from Lionsgate were really nice. I mean, we were walking through, they just seemed to, to want to share this and cared so much whether we liked it or not. Uh, one of them, or actually a group of them, yeah. uh, asked me, you know, what did you think? Um, they were really interested for that feedback. So, you know, th- th- there may be some things that, you know, not to, to get all preachy, but some things that movie studios, you know, Lionsgate sometimes can play that that more of a corporate type of of character, you know, where it's more about making money than it is preserving the, you know, the true integrity of the series. But I'm really sure they're going to make, you know, a, a lot of money, I'm sure, with this with this exhibition. But there's a lot of heart behind it, too. And I don't think it's just a money-grubbing event. I think there's there's a real purity to it as well. Um, and you can see that yeah. in that the... Right? I mean, I the they, they were actually taking what we said, too. Like, I know at the end, like you said, they asked what I thought, and they asked specifically about something having to do with the camera. And when I gave my answer, they actually said, like, oh, well, we should do this differently next time. And I'm like, oh, wow, they're actually using my feedback, like, right away. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, right. they were, no, especially the, the director, what, like yeah. you said, Adam, Kate, I think, was her name. But she seemed really passionate about it. And she was genuinely interested in our feedback and what we thought and wanted to share more about what went into it and what was behind it. It was really cool. I thought she was really, really nice. Oh, uh, you guys don't quote me on this, but I believe her right? name was Kate McConnell. Yes, yes. Kate McConnell. Mm-hmm. She was really interesting and very engaged and, and wanted to, to get our feedback and what we thought specifically about, you know, like the level of detail that they had in the exhibit, mm-hmm. and, and that was actually very interesting because I'd never had that kind of experience in an exhibit before. I mean, I've been to, to places where we have a docent or you have 
some kind of curator who could walk you through and explain what the collection means in terms of like static art, but having having access to Kate and being able to ask her questions about what was she thinking when she did something, that was a really interesting experience to to just kind of have her as a resource as I went through. And, you know, as Molly had said, seeing real set pieces that were there from the movies, that is what was so extraordinary because it makes it that much more real that you that you feel like, well, it's really immersive and it is like, it's better than going to the movie because it breaks down that fourth wall for you. And it's almost like, you know, well, you know, when you're reading the book, it becomes a a very, very personal experience going to this exhibit. It was kind of like that for me, at least where it's like, well, I'm kind of experiencing this, like, you know, if I was really in Katniss's shoes or I was, you know, if I was experiencing this as a character in the book, what would this feel like? And just, you know, having all that stuff like right there in front of you instead of just this projected image, I thought that was what made the exhibit so interesting to me. Yes, definitely. And there are so many costumes there, too. I mean, if you're someone who who likes seeing them up close, you will see them. There are, what, (laughs) eight, nine Effie costumes? The wedding (laughs) dress. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, they really had all the big costumes. I, mean, I didn't think of anything that they really left out. It is really yeah. great seeing them up close, too, because you always assume the level of detail when you see it in a movie, even if you can't make out every detail, but seeing it up close and realizing, like, the subtle design within the overall design mm-hmm. and the the flecks of color that you didn't realize were there. Like, even little things like that, it's it's oh, huge yeah. to see it. And it looks, you know, with the lighting with it a few feet in front of you, it looks almost like a totally different thing, and it's kind of amazing. Specifically, yeah, Katniss's things- Mockingjay dress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had yeah. no idea it had those patterns on it that it ended up having when I saw it right in front of me. Like, and you can't see that in the movie at all. The blue one, yeah. No, you so can't. Cool. You're yeah. right. That's... Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Let me ask, since we have Tiffany and Dean here, good segue. No, but let's ask them. <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll start with Tiffany since she's a, our panelist, and then we'll ask Dean. Tiffany, you're hearing all of these various thoughts from people who attended. Are you more or less excited after after these reviews to go see it? I'm more excited. After reading Molly's post on Pan Am Propaganda, I was very jealous of her. No, no, not Oh, not thanks. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. No, you're, Molly, I'm, I'm telling you, friends there, and I'm not. It's not okay. I'm just but so you'll far always away have San I, Francisco, though. That's true. I mean, that's true. It's just I wanted to be one of the first ones like all of you guys. I just, with work and my injured foot, I couldn't make it there. So I have to make it to to San Francisco. That's it. I just have to make it there. That's all. (laughs) And I'm I'm dying to to see it after ever hearing everybody. It wouldn't surprise me also um, if they work out some of the kinks in New York, if the San Francisco version might even be better. You don't That's know, because they learn from experience. 
Yeah, and you're right. And, like, I probably will be the only one from California to review that unless I can get Courtney and Tiffany to come with me, you know. So I am so excited for it. It's a long time from now, but I, I get more and more excited with every review I hear and read and see and et cetera, et cetera. No, that's terrific. Uh, Dean, do you share this similar viewpoint? I'm sure I would I would love to go. I mean, it, it does. You guys certainly make it sound great. And the pictures that I saw um, that uh, you guys linked to also uh, looks fantastic. I uh, I do have three children, another one about to be born any minute now. So my ability oh. to uh, to get uh, out of the house at all, uh, let alone up to uh, <laughs> to New York, uh, to any exhibitions of any sort, is pretty minimal. Uh, so I will, I will have to live vicariously through you, through you guys on this one. <laughs> Well, I, I will say, if it helps you at all, probably not for a newborn, but the <laughs> exhibition did seem fairly kid-friendly um, from what we saw. So maybe that could be an excuse um, for you and, and the rest of your family to make the trip at some point uh, down the road. Maybe, maybe. My my oldest uh, kids are, are not quite five years old, uh, so they're, they're a little young for... Uh, for Hunger Games in general, they they are aware who Katniss is. They've seen enough uh, uh, movie posters and stuff just uh, out and about that they have some idea who she is, and they have seen my play. So uh, uh, so they they might take some interest in that. Um, so we'll, sure, we'll, we'll see if if I'm in the neighborhood. And that's actually something that I think we've talked about occasionally on the show. Um, we don't have Teresa on tonight, but she has a a, a few kids. Uh, Molly has a 12-year-old daughter. Is that correct, Molly? Yes, I have a uh, and a and a, I have a nine-year-old son. But yeah, I have a 12-year-old daughter who missed it. She was so sad. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, Molly's daughter was was sick. Uh, was supposed to be able to see the exhibition, uh, but it wasn't in the cards medically. But I think she'll she'll appreciate even more uh, when she does get that chance. Uh, let's hope. But you have two kids, you know, and, and Dean obviously has some younger children. So something I've I've wondered, obviously there this is a series that appeals to a wide age range, you know, teen readers very much so, but also we're all adults uh, and, and we love it as well. What about the new young children who were not around for when the books came out and not around for when the movies were first coming out who may really mature and come of age you know, in three or four years, will they all be reading The Hunger Games and getting as invested in the series as, you know, the, the generation before them did? That's, that's you know, you, you parents will be the character study. We'll have to find out. Hmm. Would you say, uh, obviously, Molly, your kids are interested. Dean, you said you, the kids have seen your play. Um Maybe they're a little bit biased, and that's going to influence them a little bit more. But do you right, expect right. that they'll read <laughs> that they'll read the Hunger Games books uh, at some I point? I certainly would not be surprised at all uh, if they did. They um, uh, they're 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 um, you know, they're too young to read themselves, uh, of course. But they they love books and they love uh, long books. Even now, at this young age of not quite five, um, they're twins. If I haven't mentioned that already, <laughs> and uh, so they. Uh, so I certainly could imagine them getting into it, but I would say, geez, what, what age would you recommend a, a kid read? Probably not any younger than 
eight or nine at the at the youngest, I would say, right? They're, those folks are a little intense for uh, for kids much younger than that. Yeah. What, what do you all think? Yeah. If you guys 12. had to pick an age, what do you think it's safe? Twelve, thirteen. Twelve or thirteen. Yeah. Yeah, I say 12. thirteen. I say yeah. I say fourteen, completely independent. Um, twelve, if you like, have someone to discuss it with. That sounds about right to me. I I was lowballing it just in case I didn't want to offend anybody who might have read it uh, at a younger age. And people people do honestly. I'm a third grade teacher. Um, one of my kids tried to start reading it this year and honestly put it down because he wasn't ready for it. And he was one of my high readers. Yeah, like, I mean, there's some he, obviously really dark undertones. Not even undertones. Oh yeah. Dark I just think it kind of goes over their head mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, they're just it's, they're just not really ready developmentally right. for all that sometimes. So, you know, it's, right. I would, like, my judge is partly like if the kids are excited for the games, they're probably not ready to read it. Right, right. <laughs> like if they're not sitting there no. saying, this is terrible. This is horrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> no, that's that's a good I'm actually amazed. My, my wife teaches ninth and tenth grade English, and the number of kids in her classes that are like hardcore Game of Thrones fans, for instance, these are fourteen and fifteen year olds uh, into some really dark stuff, you know, that's going on there. So, I don't know. I think kids today have seen a lot more than I did when I was that age. I don't know oh, how definitely. how low <laughs> how low that bar will keep going, uh, but it seems like they get more and more mature in some respects, maybe less in others, but, um, you know, as time goes on. Uh, before we get into discussing what Dean is really on here for, which is <laughs> the play that he wrote, I just want to read one comment from Annie Brown about the exhibition. She says, I think the exhibition is a really awesome thing. As a super fan of the series, it is like a dream come true to see what pretty much seems like the entire world in one space. I was in New York City back in March when they were setting up, and the big billboards were all over Times Square. We can tell you about that, actually. And Broadway announcing the exhibition. I freaked out when I saw it. I know that I will not have the opportunity to see it in New York, but hopefully it makes the stop. Uh, And she goes on to mention someone near near her when she's on tour. So I think, and and that was really cool, the Times Square aspect, if, if you're a tourist or even if you live in New York City, um, is pretty neat, and uh, we, I think uh, JJ was the the mastermind behind this. Um, but we went walking up Broadway or up Seventh, trying to find this one particular billboard that was the Three Fingered Salute, and we did find it. Uh, was it was that JJ or Kate who had spotted that at first? That was all JJ. I think- no, I, I think I think well, Brittany had seen, seen it earlier. It. Yeah, yeah, I saw it on Saturday. Oh, Brittany, you're right. Tried to find it because I I had I had been there the day before and I was walking all over Times Square and I was like trying to find it and it was raining and I was like, where are you, hands? Well, it was also on buses, I believe, and <laughs> on uh, garbage cans and newsstands and that sort of thing. So. Um, <laughs> They're they're getting the word out there eventually. Uh, and I think it's going to be a big hit. Well, well, I know no, when I, the Harry. I meant the, yeah, the, 
the salute thing was so hard to find in Times Square because it was oh, like yeah, up yeah, so yeah. high. Yeah, it was really high. You had to fi- you had to stand in. What was beneath it that we were laughing about? I'm trying to remember. Oh, I have a picture. I can't think of what it says. Yeah, I want to put. Hold on. I'm lo- I'm I'm gonna find the picture right now. We're all looking was... for the picture right now. Oh, it was Fun Home. Fun Home. Yeah, that's football. what I was gonna say. That's right. So, so speaking of Broadway and plays <laughs> and theatrical performances, so Dean, I'm I'm gonna be upfront with you. I was trying okay. to figure out what exactly the humor games was this week as I was looking through it, and I thought instead of giving a really uh, ignorant and not fully knowledgeable perspective on it, why don't I let you first introduce it in your words so that our listeners can understand what exactly the humor games is and why it's something really awesome that they should be interested in. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Well, so the humor games is a play uh, that I wrote. Uh, It's published by PlayScript Inc. It's been out in the world for um, about a year now, I suppose. And uh, it is a parody of The Hunger Games. It is a friendly parody. Now, sometimes parodies tend to be a little sort of uh, aggressive and uh, trying to sort of take down their subject. That is not my goal. Uh, my goal is to uh, to do something that uh, has a bit of fun with uh, with the original and also uh, has it offers fun opportunities for an audience and for anyone working on a production to play. My plays are mostly written with an eye towards um, high school or middle school age actors. Uh, to be produced by you know, the drama club at your school or a summer camp or a community theater or, or something along those sorts of lines. And uh, so the plot of the humor game, my version of it, is similarly, it is a, uh, a dystopian future where uh, what is left of the United States is now ruled by a, uh, a cruel uh, totalitarian capital. Um, but rather than having... Uh, the Hunger Games, they have the annual Humor Games, which is similar in that it is uh, young people from each of the districts, which in the play are named after the astrological sign, not, not just numbers, um, pitted against each other in this world, not in just in a battle to the death, but in a comedy-based battle to the death, which is an odd idea, I realize. Um, I would recommend uh, checking out the play to see exactly how that works. But, you know... Uh, things like a slapstick as a murder weapon or an arrow through a head being more than just the prop that Steve Martin used to use uh, and things like that, or just really, really bad puns that apparently uh, knock people dead uh, right then and there. So uh, I, I, I have to stop you there and tell you bad puns have been very welcome on the show, as I think <laughs> a lot of people can attest to. Um, so feel free to, 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 to launch uh, in, into any of those and, Okay. Go on, sorry. Well, if, if any come up in the context, sure. Uh, <laughs> so the main character is uh, named Caskills Wintergreen, um, and uh, she is, uh, when her sister Dim Hopes Wintergreen uh, gets uh, selected by a pie in the face to participate in the, uh, the humor game, she volunteers to go in her place. Uh, so she and uh, the boy next door, uh, Tweeta, uh, wind up heading off to the District of Capital, uh, known as D.C., to participate in this. Um, and uh, so the other characters, uh, there's Ian Fitch, Abercrombie, uh, there's uh, Caesar Sidney, President Nobiz, El Showbiz, um, 
and uh, and so on and so forth. And uh, it's it's very silly and uh, and very fun with uh, with I, a little bit of of heart because uh, if it was just jokes, it wouldn't uh, be that satisfying an evening. Um, and uh, very much in the style of like you know Mad Magazine or uh, some of Mel Brooks stuff or something like that. Um, and also just myself as a fan of, of comedy and of the history of comedy, this is a uh, – there's a lot of references to uh, to just humor, you know, uh, comic movies, you know, stand-up comedy, uh, comic television, comic theater, everything uh, throughout there. Uh, it would be very tough to get all of the references that I've managed to hide in there. You don't have to get them to understand the play. Um, they're just sort of uh, Easter eggs. Um, so if you're a fan of, uh, of the history of comedy, be it uh, you know Monty Python or vaudeville or uh, or what have you, you'll probably find it somewhere in there. Yeah, I think a lot of people are fans of that stuff. Uh, at least, definitely here on the show. Um, and what I think is interesting about this, uh, just you know, stepping in from what I've seen, uh, you know, it, for, for anyone listening out there, if you have a bunch of your friends and you just want to kill time over summer and do something a little different from what you normally would do. Why not practice and put on a play? Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it pro- it's probably going to be a little bit more fun for you than Shakespeare, for instance. Um, and not not that we have anything against Shakespeare here. We love Shakespeare. Um, it actually, this is, this is a, a bit of an obscure reference, but has anyone here read Mansfield Park? By Jane Austen. I have. No? I have. I have. Is that JJ? That's Tiffany. It's Tiffany. Tiffany. Okay. So yeah. do you remember how they put on the performance of Lovers' Vows? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. And it's a and it's kind of a disaster, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> that that was a bunch of wealthy, you know, English socialites of the early 19th century with nothing else to do. Uh, at their estate, and they had such a blast putting on a play. Imagine what people today could do. Uh, you don't even have to be a great actor when the play's funny. The humor will take over for you. So I think this could be a really fun fun thing to do. And uh, I was going to ask you, actually, Dean, have you ever heard of the Katniss Chronicles? Um, I have. I've never listened to it, I'm afraid. That's not, as I understand, that is a podcast, sort of a radio play podcast of basically fan fiction within the Hunger Games universe. Correct. So I'm almost wondering okay. if it might be someone you want to look up. Maybe they could put together uh, an audio uh, performance of the humor. Oh, that would be, uh, be great fun. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, so, I, just I'm sure they're very busy with, uh, with their own thing. <laughs> but, uh, they, they might yeah, be. I mean, I, right. Well, just I mean, what, I, what I hope from winter green seeds, as you might say. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so what I'm, what I hope to get out of appearances like this, I, I'm, you know, chatting with all of you is of course lovely and 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 worth it, uh, in and of itself. It's its own reward. Um, but I also uh, am hoping that your listeners will uh, will come and check out the play. They can read uh, a big sample of it on the PlayScripts site, which is PlayScripts.com. You can of course also just Google the Humor Games, um, and uh, and then you know if you are a student in uh, high school or uh, or middle school. Or uh, even college, you know, pester the uh, your faculty advisor for your your drama club, or whatever, to uh, pick this as, as a show 
uh, for the upcoming year. Um, uh, or stage your own production uh, would be uh, ideal. Or just, you know, and you can also always come to the Facebook page that I've set up for it, which is uh, um, uh, facebook.com uh, backslash humor games play. But humor games play? Oh, I, sh- I should have, yes, humor games play. Um, and uh, I usually post whenever there's a production. Not a lot of productions during the summer, of course. It's mostly a uh, uh, mostly a school thing. Um, unless you're in Australia, there is a, an upcoming production, but of course it's not summer there. Um, and uh, with luck, there'll be a bunch of new productions come fall. Um, I got to see a production this year, which was great fun. There was one uh, fairly near to me. Um, uh-huh. I am uh, I, I am yet another person in the uh, in, in Pennsylvania right now. I live in Philadelphia, and there was a uh, a production not too far away in New Jersey uh, that I got to see, and I got to drop in a couple of rehearsals and see it coming together. And I got to bring my kids to it, uh, so that was uh, that was really fun um, because. Uh, since I started doing these parodies, uh, you know, in my youth when I was unencumbered by family, I would work, you know, hands on when I'd write a play. I would be you know, often direct the first production, or at least I'd be there for all the rehearsals and so on. Just not really practical for me to do that anymore. Uh, so I sort of, uh, I, so I, I, my, what I've been doing now is just writing these plays and sending them to my publisher uh, without having a test production and just sort of setting them off into the wild to fend for themselves uh, without my uh, my guidance early on. And it's been working out just fine, but it's a bit unusual for me that there are a couple of my players out there that have been produced several times, but I've never got to see a production of them. So it's, I feel very lucky to get to see this one. No, that's really something. And before I open the floor uh, to others here who might have a, a question or two for you, um, I, I just wanted to say, if you, if you and, and I mean this in the highest praise, um, for those of you wondering, you know, if this this gentleman, Dean O'Carroll, is capable of writing a, a play worth your time. Uh, y- your eloquence and, and glib speech in promoting it, I think, is a pretty strong indicator uh, that we have on our hand a, a, a well-versed person uh, with great command of the English language and punmanship and all the rest. Um, and I personally am, am, am much more intrigued uh, after hearing the way you're, you're describing it um, to check it out for myself. Uh, and and read through it. So, I think I I think it's really neat. What an incredible thing that must have been. I, I think to see your own play performed. Uh, it had to be sort of like Beethoven watching an orchestra perform one of his symphonies, or uh, you know, uh, you know Oscar or Rogers and Hammerstein uh, watching the King and I performed on stage. It's really something. So sure. Um, I, to be fair, to be fair. Um, I am not Beethoven or Rodgers or Hammerstein, and uh, the actors I was uh, I was seeing were like 13 and 14 <laughs> years old. So, so it's not exactly like that, but it was great fun. Well, maybe Beethoven would have loved seeing a middle school orchestra, you know, give the Ninth Symphony its, its best shot. You never know. It's well, the he, spirit he, of he was he was dead by the time he wrote the Ninth Symphony. So right, he, he wouldn't thought. have been able to hear <laughs> so, it anyway. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> As as well as maybe the as if the Vienna Philharmonic had performed it or so, or something like exactly, that. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, so, uh, Kate, Brittany, uh, JJ, any of you, do you have just jump in if you have a any questions or even just a quick comment for Dean here? I don't have any questions, but it sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, well, I certainly hope it is. Thanks. Yeah, I, uh, I mean that's my goal. That I um, this my this sort of career I built myself as a writer of, of parody plays, 
started some time ago when I, I first read the Harry Potter books. And uh, I've been writing plays for children's theater for a long time, adapting fairy tales and, and classic children's books. But, of course, all things in the public domain, things I didn't have to worry about getting the rights for because, you know, the brothers Grimm are long dead. And so is L. Frank Baum and uh, Robert Louis Stevenson and all those guys. So you can do their plays without having to pay any royalties. Uh, but I read Harry Potter. I thought, oh, this would be so fun to put this on. Um, this was before the movie came out, but I, I knew that, you know, obviously the movie would be a huge Hollywood production. Um, but we're finally going to be getting a Harry Potter play coming up soon. Um, but I, I uh, which looks like it actually was sort of a, a, a smaller, low-key thing um, and not like a big, extravagant musical, which I always assumed was what they would do. But uh, I, I wish back then, uh, I wish there was a small, easy-to-stage version of Harry Potter that, um, schools could do, schools and small theaters and so on, um, so that kids could see uh, Harry Potter live wherever they are. They wouldn't have to travel to New York or London to see the play. Um, and probably more importantly, young actors or young aspiring actors um, would get to play these characters that they love. Um, you know, they, they, they play them in, you know, backyard games or whatever, but uh, they're sort of, you know, to, to dress up and put on a, you know, a formal play and so on. I think we'd be, you know, such a, a rush for them. And um, well, that, well, that, I, and that and that actually is proven to be a good stepping stone in one case. Uh, I think we have several um, AVPM fans. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Dean. A uh, very Potter musical. Uh, oh, of course, absolutely. But, yes. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. That's uh, Darren that Chris. Look at his. As my, look at his career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, Darren. Yeah, I uh, I got to meet Darren briefly before he was you know Darren Chris Chris all capital letters. Yes, I um. Uh, well, that came, that came out just when my first my Harry Potter parody, which is called Sally Potter and the Censored Stone, uh, came out, and, uh, and of course that was a huge explosive hit. And as much as I enjoyed it, which is very much, I was a little jealous. Like, oh come on, I just got my own Harry Potter stage parody yeah. out there, and now and now this is here. Um, and uh, and it was funny because uh, you know they it was this huge hit, and they couldn't make any money from it. Of course, they weren't allowed to because they had used all the original character names, they had, you know, uh, had used the original plot, you know, more or less. Um, so if they, uh, if they, you know, made a penny from it, then they were, up, you know, they could really get sued uh, by J.K. Rowling, by Warner Brothers, you know, uh, whoever. Right. Um, and uh, so I, um, I wrote to them and I said, hey, guys, um, you've got this, this huge phenomenon. I have my own parody version of it. If you had any interest in, like, merging the projects using maybe your songs and, you know, some of your jokes, taking my character names, because I use all these parody character names to, you know, have a sort of that Mad Magazine cover, um, uh, you know, would, be, would you be interested? Um, it didn't get a response. I didn't really expect that would, because obviously they were inundated. Um, but then Darren was performing with um, a, a live uh, Harry Potter podcast uh, near where I was living in Los Angeles at the time. I uh, went to see that. had a great time. I, you know, uh, asked to talk to Darren. Because hi Darren, I'm Dean. Oh, you're Dean. We got your email, and they, you know, and we. And so that was very nice, and uh, we chatted. He said yes. We, our, our lawyers say no. Don't even risk it. Um, just you know, use this fame to do other projects. So that was fine. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but that was very nice. He's a very friendly guy, and uh, I don't think he would remember me now. I did briefly uh, attempt to get back in touch with him uh, when I was doing my Twilight parody because my original idea was to do a <laughs> sort of a mashup of, of Twilight and High School Musical. And I was hoping he could write songs for me, but uh, he was busy becoming a TV star at that point, so he wasn't available uh, for that project. Right. He, 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 and actually, uh, I, at least one member of our of, of this uh, panel. Are you about that, to call me out again? 
Ellie may have seen Darren Chris in in live performance this very weekend. Uh, in, oh, great. Uh, he's doing Hedwig right now? And he is he now the cover photo on my Facebook. Oh, of course he is, yes. Uh, Not well, him, just if, his eyes. <laughs> if you do a search on uh, on YouTube, uh, you can find uh, on my channel um, a very brief video of Darren Chris uh, asking my question of what did you learn from Albus Dumbledore? Um, which was uh, I was working with a group called the Harry Potter Alliance that summer. Um, in a, a, oh, a yeah, we, we know for, them. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. A, Andrew's, Andrew's class organization. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew is also a great guy. Um, and uh, actually, in in this play, uh, we're getting layers upon layers of sub stories. Anyway, but I was working with them. I made a, a big their big promotion that, that summer was what would Dumbledore do? Um, and uh, uh, and so I made I made a video for that, and I I didn't get Darren until it was too late to put it in the video, but I used it later on when I had my released my play of my short Glee parody, which will probably never get produced again because Glee is over. Um, and because um, one of the cast members who I gently rib died tragically. So I, I, that's why it's a little passe now. But anyway, um, so, but uh, Harry Potter Reliance, yeah, I, um, I, another time I was working with them, they were uh, raising money for relief after the earthquake in Haiti uh, of about five years ago. And uh, there was a big, big auction um, with some celebrities donating things and uh, all different fandoms coming together. It was a really incredible accomplishment. Um, I offered uh, just a few small things, you know, autographed copies of play and stuff. Um, and I offered that if you pay, uh, donors pay a certain amount, I would name a character after them in a play. I finally got to fulfill that with this play, with Humor Game. So there are five, no, five or seven characters in the play uh, who are named after people who gave money uh, to, uh, to the Helping Haiti Heal um, uh, uh, movement, which uh, was uh, hugely successful, um, and so it's very nice to be a part of that, and uh, very nice to get to to, uh, to, to see them, uh, see actors beginning uh, to be these characters. And it's funny, of course, because most of the characters in the play have ridiculous parody names, very silly ones, and then there are these seven characters are just their normal names because <laughs> they're named after real people. Um, but uh, no, oh, definitely. So getting back. To, Getting way back to what we were talking about before, uh, yeah. So yeah. I thought the, uh, to do a parody was that um, I couldn't, you know, get the rights to the, to a real adaptation of Harry Potter. Um, but I knew that if I did a parody, that would be protected. Um, that uh, there would have been plenty of parodies of, of Harry Potter out there, and um, uh, and then parodies always protected by uh, by copyright law. Um, so uh, and then these these kids would get sort of you know not a chance to be the characters themselves, but sort of the next best thing, a silly version. Of, uh, of these characters, and it's um, and it's been really great. You know, I, I've I've gotten to see one or two productions of that, and like a girl came up to me and, and said that I you know it, I fulfilled a lifelong ambition by getting by letting her a chance to play Little Lovegood, and my Little Lovegood had like two lines uh, in the play, <laughs> uh, but it but that was, that character spoke to her, and it really meant something to her. Uh, so I, I like to think that uh, there might be uh, young, young women out there who have a real passion about Katniss, and uh, and if they get to be cat skilled, it uh, really means something to them. No, that's that's excellent. Um, well, Dean, I want I want to thank you so much for for coming on and and sharing your your story and and uh, I learned more about you that you have more parodies. So everyone, you know, there's a lot of cross uh, fandom interest here. Not everyone here is just into Hunger Games. In fact, almost all of us are all into Harry Potter. Um, okay. I, I don't know if I could say that for sure with Twilight, although there's there's some interest there. 
Um, and I think uh, I, I must say the Twilight one is a little more on the nasty side. That uh, the, the Harry Potter is a very loving parody. The humor is a very loving parody. With Twilight, I was a little bit more aggressive towards the original because I, I must admit I'm, I'm not a fan of Twilight. So that doesn't come from quite a bunch of place of love. It's more a place of uh, 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 of, of mockery. Mockery. Um, uh, yes, well, uh, that, that, that is true. Also, I did not, uh, in preparing to write that play, I did not read the books or watch the movies. So it's, it's a parody <laughs> more of what I read about it on Wikipedia. Uh, I should point out that the entire parody has not been produced in a couple of years. So it's, uh, it has not been as big a hit as either my, my uh, Harry Potter parody or my, my 100 years parody. That, that is interesting. I, I will say, I, I've been criticized on the show for maybe being a little harsh and making too many jokes about Twilight. So. I'm not going to say anything else. Um, as, as I've said before, I actually did like the first movie, and I found the fourth movie uh, at least you know, somewhat enjoyable. So um, I don't think Twilight is, is all bad, and maybe it gets, gets a bad rap. But, you know, your parody might, might very well be interesting. So th- thank you so much, uh, Dean. Thank you. Uh, uh, before we, we close out the episode, any final comments anyone else wants to make, either about the... Anything we discussed today, the exhibition, a line you didn't get uh, get in while you while you had your chance. All right, I think that that does it for tonight. So thank you, Dean, again for coming on. Uh, thank Tiffany, you very much. Your patient. If, you're, if you're interested, please uh, do drop by um, the Play Script site and look for the humor game. And uh, I hope yes, you enjoy. And, and if you want the links, if you go to our our promo. Um, on hgfiresidechat.com. Uh, in, in the section about Dean, you'll see a link to both the Facebook page and the uh, script. So please go there and check that out. And uh, Tiffany, I, I have to applaud you for your patience, for being a great listener this time, because no unfortunately worries. you weren't, no weren't at the exhibition. But the next time we'll get you on, I promise you'll get to be a more active participant. Uh, thank that you. That sounds You know what? That sounds good after yeah. Comic Con because I'm going to Comic Con. Yay! Well, see you there. Now that then Yay. we can be jealous of you because I don't know how many okay. of us are going to Comic Con. Probably, <laughs> I don't know if any of us are. <laughs> so, so that you win there. Um, um, thank you to Kate and JJ for uh, not only tonight's episode but also it was so great seeing you on on Sunday. Uh, same thing goes for Brittany and Ellie. And Molly and Lee, real pleasure to have you back on the show again. Um, and w- when the next show will be, I can't say for sure, probably two to three weeks. Uh, we'll give you an update on that depending on what news comes in. So, as always, let me just say, fire is catching. May you never hang from the hanging tree. Good night, everyone. Good night. 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 Good night.